Muhammad Salah, and Ivan Tony bottle penalty kicks. Ollie Watkins scores his ninth goal in 11 matches. Son throws Richarlison to the bench, then score, scores an all-world goal. Chelsea's season from hell continues. Jordan Ayew rises from the dead and scores a brace. Sean Dyche's doomed formation and another dive. Jesus. Football fans far and wide, welcome to the Football v. Football podcast. This is the EPL Game Week 30 reaction show. We got a great week of uh, uh, games uh, to recap for you here. I uh, want to start by asking if you're watching on YouTube, as always, hit that subscribe button. would be really appreciated. And if you are listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and uh, rate us. Or if you're listening on any podcast platform, please do the same. We're also on Instagram and Twitter, but we're going to jump into the action of this critical game week 30 in the English Premier League with the first match. Manchester United here at Old Trafford, as you can see in the background if you're watching on YouTube, defeating Everton 2-0. As mentioned, it was a doomed formation by Everton here. Um, it's that 4 4 one one with Sims alone up top and Damari Gray behind him. And then four people behind Gray. You're just begging to score zero goals with that crap formation. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, this is um, the vestiges of uh, what I remember Norwich did with, uh, with, with Puki, which got them relegated. Just It's a way to kill your offense. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Poor Jordan Pickford, forced into making so many saves here. Always an animated guy, even, you know, like when his defense is like playing okay, even though today they weren't, you know, a very sloppy defense ahead of him. Uh, Tarkowski really just saves his effort uh, for headers off of set pieces on offense. Um, I have to admit, the only guy on this team that I really enjoy watching is Damari Gray. He's tremendous on set pieces. Dwight McNeil sometimes has his moments, but really his 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 play has really deteriorated, even though Sean Dyche is his old guy from Burnley. You know, United um, had a blown chance in the 12th minute here. Anthony off the post. Then uh, Bissaka uh, couldn't convert an open goal. You know, a few times he could have passed to open teammates, but was selfish and and just couldn't convert. And then Sims on Everton, their new star forward apparently, or not star, just their new forward, a few minutes later had a terrible little dribbler off an attempt on goal, went wide. Uh, and then Bruno Fernandez with uh, some beautiful feeds early that just couldn't be converted. Uh, and it wasn't until the 36th minute, McTominay, Scott McTominay, of all people, breaks the deadlock here. A one-timer from a difficult angle. He's been on a very hot streak recently out of nowhere with this goal. And then the one for Scotland against Spain in the Euro qualifying against his own teammate De Gea, who shouldn't be in goal. It should be Rea. But he breaks the deadlock here with a beautiful goal. Scott McTominay. Who, who remembers that name? I mean, with all these big transfers... And big signings from from United over you know the past year or so, McTominay is still in there making plays. 
then the second goal for United, the 71st first minute, a mistake by Seamus Coleman, then an easy, easy goal by Martial, another guy that, you know, United has so many of these weapons, and they're starting to come back healthy now. And the replay showed in that goal that it could have been offsides in a couple places, but it wasn't called. And Old Trafford here hosted a 2-0 win over Everton, who are now firmly in the relegation zone. Uh, they are threatening, again, for a second year in a row, or maybe a third, to uh, possibly be relegated. And it's um, it's a very embarrassing time for them, you know. Their neighbors over there in Liverpool aren't having a great season either. I think they're ninth or 10th, but Everton being this bad, <clears throat> bad, bad news. But meanwhile, Manchester United, I believe they're back into the top four at this point, maybe the top five, doing well, picking up momentum uh, at the time where they really need it. Moving on now to Austin Villa defeating Nottingham Forest 2-0. Forest. Sitting a lot of their good players, in my opinion, Emmanuel Dennis, Iowini, and Lingard, all on the bench. This is this again was a weird lineup with the um, the three five two formation. Not a big fan of that. Um, Ollie Watkins had a great chance in the twenty fifth minute. You know, this guy has a nose for the goal. The last eleven games, and uh, Traore was the one that broke the deadlock here to begin the second half on a rebound attempt. This is his second goal in as many games, and this was on John jo uh, Jojo Selby, Don Joe Selby. Uh, really sloppy clearance, uh, directly caused the goal here. And on the Austin Villa side, Emmy Martinez barely had any work in this one. It wasn't until the 52nd minute, an attempt by Danilo, um, on Emmy Martinez, but barely made him work. And then Danilo again had a shot on goal in the 70th minute. And that was the only effort Forrest put on goal, essentially. It was a pathetic offensive display from this team. They've been playing Gibbs-White up top the past couple games, but that's not his proper place. He's more well-suited as an attacking mid and Needs guys like Emmanuel Dennis and Iowini and, and Brennan Johnson ahead of him. That's his natural spot. That's where he excelled. So if I'm Nottingham Forest, I'm not putting him up top anymore. Move him back. Get Emmanuel Dennis in there. You know, get Iowini in there. Get Brian Robinson and uh, Brennan Johnson in space. Then I think you can succeed because this is a team now that is, um, I think, in 19th and really threatening to uh, to go back down. To the second division. And Ollie Watkins, as mentioned earlier, is on a hot streak, put the game away in the final moment of stoppage time. I believe it was the 94th or 95th minute. And as mentioned earlier, this is his ninth goal in 11 games now. Extremely impressive. I think he's scored in six straight away games. What a player. This is a guy that's in the, the form of his life, really. I mean, he started to come on last year, but he's really, really excelling this year, Ollie Watkins. And good on Austin Villa. I think they play well. I think they have some, you know, Ollie Watkins is a great finisher, and they have a lot of tremendous midfielders. John McGinn, uh, Buendia, um, you know, guys like Jacob Ramsey, uh, Coutinho when he's uh, healthy. 
they just have so many great um, midfielders that are feeding uh, guys like uh, Ollie Watkins and even now Traore. It's a solid team with a solid goalie as well. So we'll see how they continue to prog- progress as this year goes on. But Nottingham Forest, you got to get Gibbs White back in the midfield and make sure to start Emmanuel Dennis. He's probably the most creative guy on your team and, and get Brennan Johnson in some space and get Iowini some minutes as well. <clears throat> Next game, Newcastle defeating Brentford 2-1. And the, you know, watching this game on the NBC broadcast, it sounded like a child was doing color commentary. I'm not sure if they have any labor laws there. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, getting back to the game here, the eighth minute, you had a great diving save by Nick Pope. Um, but Tony was right there to clean it up. And it should have been the first goal of the game, but... Uh, then it was overturned by an offside call via VAR. And then moving on to the 27th minute, Sade, and I ain't talking about the singer, the striker for Brentford, who I don't know anything about, made an incredible move to get away from one defender and was going straight for goal. And then Sven Botman just absolutely clattered this guy, just ran right into him. Terrible, terrible contact. It looked more like an American football tackle. And a PK was given, obviously. But it was all for naught. Because Ivan Tony missed a very, very weakly taken PK. It's one of those things that you saw way too many of during the World Cup where you're neither putting power behind it nor are you burying it in bottom quarters or top corners or just giving any effort. You're just kind of hoping or, or trying to maneuver the keeper into going to one side and then just softly hitting it, not even to like a side. It's like, it's not the center, but it's somewhere between the center and the and, and the corner, just kind of midway. And it's just like per, a perfect spot for the, for the keeper to get it. That's what he did. So it was saved by Pope, really poorly taken. So that could have been two goals by Tony by the 27th minute. Both of them didn't count. But then in the 45th minute, believe it or not, Isak slightly, slightly fouls a Brentford player in the box. And another penalty is given to Brentford. But this time, Tony learned from his mistakes, finally puts it in the back of the net, and it counted, but with much more pace on it this time, and put it further into the far corner the way a PK should be taken. And Brentford goes up 1-0. to Newcastle has basically no chances the entire first half. But to start the second half, Joelinton, with a terrific effort to juke a defender, then strike it through Reyes's legs into the goal. They called it an own goal, but really, I'm not sure how you do that. I mean, that was all Joelinton. Very nice goal to tie it at 1-1. And then seven minutes later, a clinical finish by Alexander Isak, the Swede, who is in tremendous form, as mentioned on previous podcasts. A one-timer from outside the box, in the corner, a thing of beauty. And then later, Callum Wilson put in a third, but that was overturned from a handball as he was trying to control the ball. Um, And this was really a tale of two halves. Brentford was on the front foot the entire first half. And then Newcastle 
was on the front foot the entire second half. And oddly enough, it was all on the same side of the goal, uh, same side of the field. There, there was just one goal getting all the love. One half of the field getting all the love. It was that field with the sun, uh, a side of the field with the sun. Um, it was very bizarre, very bizarre. But this game finished two to one, uh, Newcastle. Uh, but could have easily been a much higher scoring game, as mentioned. Ivan Tony could have had. Uh, a hat trick in this one and Brentford blew two sure goals in the first half and as I mentioned with Tony and then so you know so did Newcastle in the, in the second half they they blew an extra you know two goals of course Callum Wilson and another one they blew as well could have been a much higher scoring game but Newcastle takes this one Newcastle very much so threatening to play European football next year in the top five I believe now Five or six, they're doing well. Uh, Brentford, still an impressive side, but uh, Tony, you can't be missing PKs like that. Moving on to West Ham defeating Fulham 1-0. And I'm going to keep saying it. Mitrovic now is, I'm not sure when they did it, but they extended his suspension from three games to eight games. And they are really, really missing this guy. They're a much less potent team without Mitrovic, and this team simply cannot score. Carlos Vinicius, uh, Willian, all these guys they have. I mean, even this guy, Solomon, who had a streak of some lucky goals in there. This team, this is a team that can't score without Mitrovic. Um, and on the West Ham side, uh, putting Cresswell and Sufal back as the attacking defenders for West Ham was a great move. Uh and it's how it's meant to be and allowed them to you know, secure the clean sheet in this one. Those were their two stalwarts last year when they did really well in the league. And if they want to stave off relegation this year, you got to keep Cresswell and Sioux Fall as your attacking defenders. <coughs> in the 23rd minute uh, for Fulham, uh, Reed, the defender with the own goal, um, assisted by the work of Jared Bowen. And that was the only... the. That was the only goal of this game. It was just an own goal. Um, on the Fulham side, Anthony Robinson <laughs> has another tremendous chance on goal for a second week in a row, or maybe a third. And he might be their best attacking player. And he's a damn defender. And another defender of theirs, a central defender, Tosin, had several chances, and he as well is a defender. This is a team now relying on defenders for their best chance to score in these games. You know, going back to the West Ham side, Ings had a good chance in the 56th minute, but nothing. And I feel like Ings has played for three teams this year already. Um, was it, what did he start with? Austin Villa or Southampton? And, um... Now he's in uh, in West Ham, so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this year he's played for three different sides. But um, uh, Mikel Antonio had another great chance in the 83rd minute, um, but Maxwell Cornet, I mean, you guys got to check out this one. He had a sure chance on goal in the final minutes of stoppage time after a terrible defensive mistake and Bern Leno continues to show his class as always somehow stopping this breakaway 
you got to see this one. He absolutely bottled this, uh, Cornet did. But Leno is a tremendous, tremendous keeper. Continues to show his class. These games could be 5-6-0. He's keeping it to one, maybe two goals sometimes. And Kenny Tete, one of my favorites on Fulham on defense, sadly might have lost his job to uh, Cedric Suarez. He didn't start for the first time in a long time in this one. And then he came on with maybe 20 minutes left and made a terrible mistake, uh, giving the ball to Ben Rama, uh, who also almost scored for them, but Leno stopped uh, uh, the chance there again. For West Ham, this is only their second away win of the season, first since August. Uh, and, you know, this is a good team that's been massively underperforming. Uh, and,. They're digging themselves, you know, out of the relegation zone at this point. But if you look at the, the players on this team, these are mostly players that were unchanged from last year's really successful team. I believe that team maybe finished in the top five or at least the top seven. So as they start to get things together, I you know, I, I've seen interviews with David Moyes, and he seems like a very poised coach. Um, I was, um, you know... Um, expect I hadn't heard him speak, and when I heard him speak and and just kind of heard the calm in his voice, I have hopes that you know I have a an, it, I don't think West Ham is going to be relegated. I think that one of the teams are are going to find their way out of this one. So um, West Ham find a way to to win this one one to nil on an own goal, and Fulham are very lucky that. They had a hot start this year because without Mitrovic, nothing's good. Nothing good is going to happen for this team. They just simply can't score. They have no offense. <clears throat> Moving on to the next one, one of my favorite teams, Bournemouth, beats Leicester one to nil. Philip Billing, fantastic set piece, top corner to start the first five minutes. Uh, it just went wide. Um, but then Billing again in the 24th minute, um, forcing a great save by the keeper. And then Solanke, a solid chance, went wide a few minutes later. Uh, Bournemouth was absolutely peppering uh, Leicester with, with, with shots early in this, in this first half. Um, but then our boy, Philip Billing, finally got a well-deserved goal in the 40th minute here. It was a mistake by Leicester, James Madison of all people, a terrible back pass that Billing stole and knocked in, and it was a very well-deserved goal. This guy lately has been on a tear, maybe going back the past six games. If you remember, Philip Billing scored at the beginning of one of those games in the first minute, and he has a nose for the goal. I, I scouted this guy very early in the year as a guy that was going to be one of the best midfielders, attacking midfielders in the league. And for a long time, he wasn't really showing it, but now he is finally showing it. It's coming together. They have Tavernier back. They have um, Solanke, who at least pushed shots on goal. Sometimes he's not very clinical. Um, and then, you know, Django Watada, I think, also was a great addition to this team. But anyway, moving back to this specific game for Leicester, Harvey Barnes and Castagna had... A couple weak chances in the first half. I am still a big fan of, of Harvey Barnes. I think that guy just puts shots on goal. When you do that, eventually it goes in. But 
for him, he's just having a very unlucky season. I think if Leicester gets relegated, I hope somebody takes Harvey Barnes because he deserves to always be in the Premier League. <clears throat> um, and then again, you know, Philip Billing to Dominic Solanke to start the second half. They were the driving force on offense the entire game in this one. And uh, Tavernier also came on late and um, had a chance, but um, I, I don't know when they're going to take off the uh, the gloves for him. I know he was out for a long time. They're playing a long game for him. I think he only played 40 minutes in this game. And it was enough to get the win, but it was a very slight margin. It was only 1-0 here to, to a bad team. So eventually you're going to have to get Tavernier more minutes um, so he can get a rhythm, so he can start scoring the goals that he's so adept at doing. And then the final note here for Leicester, Pat Sandaka coming in in the, in the second half got Leicester going a little bit. But this is a team that was so reliant on Jamie Bar Vardy being a clinical finisher over the years. And he just isn't that anymore. And Leicester is in serious peril for relegation. I think they're firmly in the relegation zone now. Um, I believe they're, they're 18th or so. So they really need to get it going. They need to find something. A lot of these guys that they have on offense between Vardy and Iannaccio and Daka. I mean, some they're real stars on this team, to be honest with you, are their midfielders, Madison and Harvey Barnes. I think this is one of those teams that does have some talent, but the finishing is just not there. And, and when you don't have that, um, that's a recipe for disaster. So as I take a sip of water here, it's bad news for Leicester. But on the on the other end, I really I'm a big fan of Bournemouth. I think they're gonna continue to do well. Their their keeper, Neto, I think he's He's okay. He's good enough. He had a clean sheet in this one, um, but that offense, those attacking mids and those those uh, forwards, I'm a big fan of. So um, I I look forward to them continuing to play together this year, and then also next year. I think they're going to stay in the Premier League, so I'm looking forward to them, especially next year. Next game here, uh, Tottenham defeat Brighton two to one. Um, I think some people are starting to question the replacement of. Um, uh, Sanchez with Steele. Um, people starting to wonder whether, whether it, were, it, it was a good idea. He conceded another two goals in this game. He, he His form hasn't been great. I think his uh, value at, is as a, a guy that actually passes well out of his goal. But as far as a, a keeper here, um, hasn't been hasn't been tremendous. I think now he, in the past... Uh, Couple games he's conceded five goals, I believe, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. But really, one of the stories of this week came in the tenth minute here. An incredible goal by Hyung Min Son, a curving shot, top corner from outside the box. It is one of the ones that you have to watch live. It was the absolute goal of the of the week, and one of the best goals of the season. So when you get a chance, you got to watch that goal. <coughs> Uh, Matoma equalized a few minutes later, but it was deemed a handball in the gather. Uh, and then later, McAllister and Caicedo had consecutive great chances, both forcing incredible saves by Lloris. I mean, that was another. This was a this was a hell of a game for Lloris. I mean, this was. I think this is might have been his first or second game back 
uh, from injury or whatever suspension. I'm not sure what he was coming back from, but um, two incredible, incredible saves by this guy. I mean, some of these Spurs guys had amazing games today. And speaking of McAllister, uh, this is a guy that might not be on Brighton for much longer. Some of the top clubs are trying to steal this guy away. He, he is a great player. He has been the captain of this team. He's taking PKs. He plays great on defense, play, plays great on offense. He's having an absolutely great season, in addition to being a World Cup champion now, the, the, the Argentine, the Irish Argentine. Uh, and then for Brighton, Dunk took over the game for about five minutes. He first stopped a sure chance on defense with a great sliding stop, and then headed in a beautiful header on offense uh, off a solely March set piece, and it was his game for five minutes. So he put them up here uh, one to nil, or tied the game one to one. Um, and then Soli March and Poro had consecutive chances on either side um, uh, to close out the for first half. Poro, as I've mentioned before, is a, fat a fantastic attacking defender for, for Spurs. I think he continues to get great chances. Uh, and then to start the second half, Danny Welbeck uh, put in a strike to uh, go ahead, but got unlucky. Um, hitting his teammate McAllister on the hand. So, unfortunately, that was called off due to a, to a handball. So, it was still 1-1. One one. Interesting, in the 58th minute of this game, a fight broke out on the touchline between both coaches. Or, um, Well, it was building up from, from earlier. Uh, both managers were shown red cards and ejected. But um, it was very strange because the Spurs manager wasn't involved at all. But his assistants were... And he was penalized for that. Uh, the Brighton manager was chirping all game and absolutely deserved to be tossed. But um, the Spurs manager was doing nothing. He was minding his own business. And he got ejected as, as the head of his assistant. So he's going to have to have a, a stern talking to. I'm sure he already has with his assistant. So um, they don't get him kicked out of the game again. Uh, Harry Kane here in the 79th minute. Absolute beauty just inside the box for the game winner to put him up 2-1. Perisic, after he had scored, uh, tackled him American football style in, in, in celebration. Um, and this was a raucous Spurs crowd. Um, they play in a beautiful stadium with uh, fantastic acoustics. Um, the the hot toddy in that, that, that Tottenham Stadium. So... Good on Tottenham to uh, to eke this one out. This was this was a very great competitive game. Tottenham and Brighton are two of the top teams in the Premier League. Uh, it was a very entertaining game to watch. Um, who would have known what would have happened if the manager stayed in <laughs> for uh, you know the last uh, thirty minutes of this game? But they were both kicked out. Um, and kudos to Tottenham. But Brighton is right up there at their skill level. To be honest with you, they had a, a disallowed goal or two, and uh, if not for that. They could have won this game. Next one here. A pretty surprising outcome. Wolves defeat Chelsea 1-0. My first note on this one, because I mentioned Sarabia um, in early podcasts. He's been relegated to the bench after a, a big rise. And now he is taking a big fall. So the rise and fall of Sarabia has been interesting to, to monitor here. 
And Connor Gallagher on the Chelsea side finally starts for this side for the first time all season, it seems, at, or as far as I know. This guy was the star for Crystal Palace last year, and he's been a bench warmer all year. Um, going back to the the Wolf side here in the 32nd minute, a rocket, absolute rocket from Matthias Nunez. What a beautiful strike this was. Um, at top speed from a difficult side angle, it was so beautiful that his uh, his teammate Cunha had his hands behind his head in shock, standing in front of the goal. And I have to say, this was after Sun's goal, this was the second best goal of the week. This is another goal that you must watch highlights of. This was uh, an absolute beauty. I didn't know Nunez was was capable of uh, of this type of stuff, but tremendous, tremendous goal. Diego Costa had another chance uh, shortly thereafter, but it was terribly clumsy. And I have to admit, it's strange to see him in this form when he used to be a superstar force in this league. Uh, going back to uh, Chelsea here, Joao Felix continued his trend of strikes on goal that don't go in. Um, was also theatrical a couple times, uh, going down in agony off of some soft challenges. Um, and then Kukurea, uh a cynical tackle that went in, um, uh, went in with both legs. You just can't do that. And so he got a yellow card there. And Chelsea, even with Aubameyang back and all those big signings, Chelsea couldn't put anything away. Uh, the 85th minute, Pulisic uh, got pushed in the box, but uh, the PK wasn't given. Um, there was a chance it could have been there, but it wasn't. Um, and then there was another poor call against uh, the Wolf striker Huang in the 89th minute. Um, otherwise, it would have been easily a 2-0 uh, uh, win by, by Wolves here. And that was it. Not much action in this one, but a huge win for Wolves over Chelsea in this one. As Chelsea's season from hell just continues. They just lost again to uh, Real Madrid. It looks like that was their saving grace of the year, being in the Champions League, but it doesn't look like they're going to be in there for much longer. And actually, 2-0 was actually... Um, I thought they were going to lose 10-0. To be honest with you, uh, this team is really foundering. They 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 can't score, and um, this is a team that just brought in now uh, Frank Lampard, one of their former stars, to be their manager. And um, it didn't change anything. I mean, it's only been a week, but they're still suffering from the same the same things here. They just they can't score. They have some good players, but uh, it's just not the the finishing isn't isn't there. It's it's perplexing. But big win for Wolves or another team fighting to stay alive, fighting to stay in this league. Chelsea drops out of the top 10. They're in 11th now. We'll see if they continue to drop. It's going to be interesting to monitor Chelsea, to be honest with you, as they now enter the bottom of the table. But we would go from the bottom of the table to the top of the table and then maybe to the back of the back to the bottom of the table. Manchester City defeating Southampton 4-1. This is teams that are on opposite ends. Of the table here. Uh, Manchester City just leaps and bounds better in this game. They look so sharp and they often make their opponents look like they're 
in a lower league. Um, on the Southampton side, Sulemana had an early um, fantastic run, stealing the ball from KDB and being clear with just Ake to beat. But Nathan Ake, great effort to keep up with uh, Sulemana and caused a, a heavy touch, preventing him from uh, a scoring opportunity. Uh, this was a sh it could have been a sure goal. It was literally just one on one in that entire half of the field. Sulemana and Ake. Um, he had another chance later. Um, he was attacking the goal, but he likes finishing. You know, when you look at Southampton, they are in the bottom right now. Uh, they are the 20th place team. You look at this team, it's really a lot of mediocre finishers. Um, che Adams <clears throat> last year, I guess, played second fiddle to, um, uh, to Danny Ings, but, um, he hasn't been playing a lot, and he's regressed. This guy Alcaraz, he showed he showed spurts of um, having some class, but he's just not a fully developed player. And then Sulemana, I think, is the best overall player on this team, but he just he lacks finishing. He is he's another guy like Alcaraz. These guys just don't they don't have that final move to be able to to score. And um, I fear that when I look at this team, this is one that is absolutely destined for, for relegation. And um, when they do get relegated, I hope that James Ward-Prowse uh, is able to still play in the Premier League because um, he is a fantastic player. One of the best free kick takers I've ever seen. Manchester City side, a cakewalk in this one. Erling Holland, of course, breaks the draw uh, to end the first half with a casual header finish. The second goal then came from Grealish, uh, rebounding his own shot off Bazunu, um, first with his left foot and then with his right foot. And then the third goal, an absolute beauty, Holland with a casual scissor, scissor kick with his left foot. Absolutely brilliant, world-class player um, in a world-class moment. Now, this guy continues to deliver, and he did so also in, in the Champions League against Bayern. And then for the Southampton side, a guy named Mara comes in for Sulemana and scores immediately. And I hadn't previously heard about this guy, but it was a very nice one-time finish. And this is a guy that seems to have some skill. And on a team that's reaching to find anything, I think they should perhaps start Mara next game in, in search of a spark. Um, finishing off this game, the fourth goal was a PK tucked away by Julian Alvarez, who was subbed on for Holland. And as I say it every week, this team is embarrassment of riches. Um, and they finished this one off four to one. This, these teams are at polar opposites of the, the standings here as, and as we'll see a little bit later, Manchester City continues to keep the heat on Arsenal. I mean, this is this is not over. I believe there are still eight game weeks left, and uh, Manchester City is not out of it. Um, so we'll see. But Southampton, if I'm you, start Mara next game. See if anything can happen. See if there's a spark. Moving on to the first game from Sunday, Crystal Palace defeating Leeds 5-1 to one in, a, in a shocking scoreline if you follow Crystal Palace. Um... An interesting note about Palace here, I you know, 
maybe I have been following the EPL for a bit, but um, they had an almost entirely uh, black lineup, which I, I don't know that I've ever seen before. I think eight out of the 11 players, maybe nine of the 11 players were uh, were black. And I, I don't see that often in the EPL, so that was kind of cool to see. Uh, Leeds started on the front foot on this one. They had three big chances in the first 20 minutes, including a fancy flick attempt by uh, Aronson, uh, but it was saved by the goal. Um, uh, but then later, Patrick Bamford, uh, with a extremely, extremely nice angular header. Bamford hasn't uh, seemed to have played many full 90s this year, uh, which is why um, he only has three goals in this campaign. But um, he should be getting more playing time as he continues to, uh, to get healthy. And Jack Harrison, again, had an impact on this game as he does every game. A uh, great free kick in the 29th minute here, uh, just barely j uh, saved by Johnston. In the first half hour, Palace had two chances with the exact same result, uh, headers that went far right. Um, but then Palace strike in the last minute of the first half. Uh, a fancy little flick by Guayhi, uh with great effort over the, uh, the keeper's head. Um, after another great set piece by Elise, He's low-key, a tremendous set-piece man. He is one of the best in the league. That is his forte. Um, and then going back to uh, to Leeds here, Patrick Bamford, an embarrassing dive to start the second half, uh, causing a yellow for a Palace defender. And it's something that, if you know me, you know I hate the diving, and especially when they result in, in, in trickery and getting yellow cards for the guy uh, that had perpetuated the so-called foul. And it was so bad, it felt like the barrage of four goals from Palace thereafter came as karma for that dive. And so the four more Palace goals came starting from Jordan Ayew. Jordan Ayew, ladies and gentlemen, who's been really, really poor for a couple seasons now, but made a nice header for that first goal of his. And then Eze, a minute later, had the next, which came from another assist from Olise here. And then Edward had the next, and Olise again involved. Um, and after this goal, for the first time in a long time, I saw him show emotion, and he jumped on Edward's back while belting a, a celebratory yell. And a few minutes later, believe it or not, Jordan Ayew scored his second goal. Jordan Ayew with a brace. Who would have thunk it? Um, and this rose, his season total, to three goals. So 66% of his goals came in this game. This was the game of his life. He kept looking to the heavens in celebration. And uh, it was a sight to see. Good for Jordan Ayew. I haven't been a fan of his... I've been avoiding him for the last two years in, in fantasy EPL, but uh, to see him have his moments, great for IU. Great to see it. And as mentioned before, I'm a big fan of the way Olise plays. Um, he plays through contact, and he doesn't dive very much. And he did it often in the second half here. And 
look what it resulted in. He had a tremendous game. If you play EPL on Fantrax, I believe he had 41 points in this one. He was heavily, heavily involved in, in scoring and, and scoring opportunities for this team. So, Olise, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous game by you. Crystal Palace, what a game. We've all been waiting to see this from, from this team. They have a lot of kind of mid-level um, strikers. And this was a game without Zaha. Uh, but well done. That that five-goal barrage, I did not expect that at all. I don't know that I've ever seen that from Palace. Um, and meanwhile, Leeds on the other side, you concede four goals. Bamford, that was embarrassing. After that goal you scored to dive like that, you're better than that, bro. Um, and Leeds... Another team fighting against relegation. We'll see. I mean, their player is Jack Harrison. That is their guy. Uh, but Bamford, you got to get him for, for full 90s. But, dude, you can't keep diving like that. Or, or else, you know, you might be causing your team uh, uh, a chance to uh, to stay in the EPL. But the final game of the week, and perhaps the best and most compelling one, Liverpool and Arsenal drew 2-2. Two to two. Um, Jurgen Klopp finally came back to his senses and this game, after that benching of Salah and Trent and many others as disciplinary uh, action for their previous uh, game, uh, what a dumb move that was um, as they didn't score a goal that day against Chelsea. Uh, finally coming back to his senses in this one and, and, and starting Salah and Trent and, and, and their best guys. Uh, on the Arsenal side, Gabriel Martinelli uh, struck early here in the eighth minute. Van Dijk directly at fault in this one he passed it right to Martinelli and gifted him that goal and then the offensive defender Zinchenko had a good shot on goal early didn't get it in uh, and then Jesus had another chance thereafter and it was such a close chance that the uh, it caused the announcer to uh, yell Jesus and I wasn't looking at the screen. I was like, "What the? What, what happened?" And I was like, "Oh, it was G, it was Jesus that had a shot on goal." <laughs> um, for the Liverpool side, Robertson offered uh, the best chance with the team. Twenty minutes in, um, but then a few minutes later, Martinelli to uh, to Jesus, the Brazilian connection, put Arsenal up two to nil, and it looked like they were off to the races in this one scoring a couple goals in the first half hour. Um, but then in the 40th minute, Granite Xhaka, that little hothead, got upset. The ball was taken away from him, and then he took revenge on Trent. Uh, just a really poor cynical tackle and push, which caused uh, some pushing and shoving. Uh, both of those players got uh, yellow cards, but Xhaka was in the wrong uh, for that for that late challenge, it was it was just kind of dirty and, and and petty, and that's the best thing that could have happened to Liverpool. This caused them to wake up, because a minute later, a great little move by Curtis Jones of all people started the attack, which led to a Salah goal, and then they almost had another in stoppage time uh, in the first half, but it flew over the net, so they got back one of the goals. And then something really, really terrible happened. Uh, there was a weak PK that was awarded to Liverpool. And then karma came around. Salah missed yet another penalty. 
Um, he went, he missed one a couple weeks ago against Bournemouth. And Salah, this is really, really unacceptable. I hate to see him perform in this way because I know that if he keeps doing this, they're going to take away those penalties from him. And um, it's, it's tough to see him have a, kind of a subpar year um, because I know he's capable of great things, but uh, he has not been in his top form this year. This PK wasn't even on target. Um, it was just wide to, to the left. Um, and Salah had more chances. He tried to make up for it, and he had more key passes later in this game after that. Um, but you absolutely cannot miss PKs. Um, he's going to have to show himself worthy of of, um, of being the PK taker for this team. Uh, and he, he's just going to have to step it up in every way on offense as a, as a leader. Um, he needs to be better. I have to concede that. Even though he is my favorite player in this league, fellow countrymen, Salah needs to be better. Can't be missing PKs like that. Um, but then as this game continued to progress in the 87th minute, some great fancy footwork by Trent nutmegging Zinchenko and then lifted it to Firmino for the game-tying header. Trent had a great game on offense in this one. And for Arsenal, likewise, Ramsdale had a number of tremendous game-saving saves in stoppage time to save this from being much worse than than just 2-2. This was the game that was the reverse of what Arsenal usually do. They're usually very slow starters, and they come back and score a lot of goals. This was the opposite of that. They scored their first two goals early, and then really almost lost this one. Ramsdale saved them uh, in the last 60 minutes of the game. And um, it was similar. It was similarly strange because Liverpool is the opposite. They are usually very fast starters, and then they give up. But Xhaka... Xhaka is massively to blame in this one. So is Zinchenko for waking up Liverpool um, with that pushing match. So Arsenal, they tied, but they, they still get one point. They could have conceded. They could have gotten no points. Um, but M- Manchester City is hot on their tails. Uh, for Liverpool, a great showing here. I didn't think they would show up in this way. And that second half, a tremendous showing of heart. You know, every once in a while you see glimpses of that old Liverpool team. It's like, you know, when like somebody is like um, uh, on their decline. And every so often they'll show you that they are that, they'll show you that superstar class from old, you know, 7-0 against Manchester United. Coming here and almost beating the, uh, almost beating Arsenal. Tying him up 2-2, and then at the end of the game, that flurry that almost won them the game. They have that, but then they'll go and they'll lose to uh, to Bournemouth and, and all these other teams. So, um, yeah, this is... I, I, I don't know that... Liverpool is the most inconsistent team because they have, they have high highs and low lows. So, they will be in the Premier League next year. They probably won't be playing in Europe. Um, but, uh, yeah, for Arsenal... They still have the lead, but they're going to have to watch out for Manchester City. We'll see what happens for the rest of the season.
So that, ladies and gentlemen, brings this Game Week 30 reaction show to a close. I want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, enjoying, hopefully, this podcast. Remind you again, if you stuck around this long, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe, leave a comment, let me know what you think, let me know your opinions, uh, like, share, and uh, if you're listening, especially uh, uh, on Spotify, uh, to the podcast version, the first thing I want you to do, please go ahead and hit that follow button. It really helps us a lot. And if you enjoyed it, give us a rating and uh, and all the other ones. I know that uh, there are a lot of folks that listen on um, uh, Amazon Music and, and Pandora and Stitcher and Apple um, and uh, some on iHeartRadio. I see some of the statistics as well. A lot of people are listening primarily, I know, in the United States, but there's a ton that are listening from uh, the UK and Ireland and France uh, and uh, Saudi and Bahrain and um there are listeners from about uh, 20, 25 countries I see that are, that are tuning in. I really appreciate you guys, Belgium and Italy and Colombia and Portugal and Hong Kong. And I, I see all those places that people are listening from. So I really uh, appreciate you guys uh, uh, tuning in. Go ahead and follow, engage. Um, and if you're on Twitter or Instagram, uh, we're on there as well. Uh, you can find us on there, Football v. Football Podcast. So thank you all again. I want to really appreciate your uh, uh, your listenership or your uh, watchership. Um, and until the next one, have a fantastic day, football fans.